sometime between two and three o'clock in the morning, I wake up and I'm having a hard time breathing, a very hard time breathing. And I feel like my head is spinning. I'm disoriented. I don't really know what day it is. And I say, Ari, I'm not feeling well. I feel like I'm dying. This is Hope to Recharge. I'm Atana. I'm here to guide you and support you through your challenging times navigating through depression, anxiety, and other mental health struggles. This episode is sponsored by our incredible sponsor from the beginning, BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com, the leading online platform for therapy. Many people come to me for help, and one of my questions are, have you been to therapy? Are you willing to go to therapy? I am not a therapist. I don't claim to be a therapist and I don't do the therapist work. And I think it's something that has to be done with a therapist side by side. Some people have been to therapy for many years and then they come to me to do the work. I often say if you haven't been to therapy and if you want to start working with me, you need to start working with a therapist as well. Very often, it is very expensive. BetterHelp is a leading online platform for therapy that is affordable. You don't have to leave your house. You can get it from the comfort of your sofa, your bed, your office. It's one click away. There are thousands of licensed clinicians on this platform. It's incredible. If you want to get 10% off your first month, use the link in the show notes, betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Use the link below and start your therapy from the comfort of your home. Sometimes it's so overwhelming to go to therapy. Nowadays, most therapists are on Zoom. Most clinicians are on Zoom. Let's say you travel a lot. Let's say you just don't like getting out of your house, but you want a therapist. It's so affordable. It's worth taking a look. If you're thinking about therapy and you don't know where to start, go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. That's betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Millions of people from all over the world are using them. Start your wellness now. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Hope to Recharge, our fourth year anniversary. Thank you for being here with us. For all of our listeners that took the journey with us for the last four years, thank you. For the newcomers, thank you. Uh, I feel like I owe a tremendous amount of gratitude to so many people and factors that went into creating this podcast, including my mental breakdown that happened 13 years ago. So our anniversary, which happens every year, my my anniversary to starting Hope to Recharge and my anniversary to my, I call it my spiritual and mental health awakening, all happened at the same time during the month of May. And the Hebrew Hebrew calendar is Shavuot, the holiday of Shavuot. Actually, the holiday is tomorrow. And on Shavuot, the first night, I ended up in the hospital for my first panic attack, which I thought I was dying, but I found out afterwards that it was the beginning of my journey of depression and anxiety. We're going to go into that later. And it's funny that it it always falls out on Mental Health Awareness Month. And four years ago, I reached out to my mentor, my friend, (sighs) so many words I could use about Heather. Heather walked me from the first step of a dream to production to success with a podcast. And I'm so grateful to her that she stood by my side. She believed in me. She believed in the process. She walked as slow as I needed. And when I was ready to walk faster, she walked faster with me. And it was such a magical experience four years ago on May 20, I think it was May 28th when we launched, launched our first episode. Uh, like I cannot listen to my first episodes because I was so new at recording and I just can't listen to it. Um, but I decided that because it's a four year anniversary, I want to just come full circle, go back to my story for new newcomers and Maybe see where I evolved through this four, these four years and and just um, share a little bit about my journey and what I'm hoping for in the future and where my vision is. And I just want to really start off with a full grateful heart. If you 
follow me on any social media or on the podcast, you know how gratitude is one of the essential parts of my healing. And I believe that any person that wants to live a life or thrive or live a life of purpose and meaning, it has to be with gratitude. Gratitude needs to be somewhere in there. And gratitude was a big part of my recovery. I want to start by thanking the people that helped me create this show. Heather, of course, Sahara, Rachel, another Rachel. We have a lot of Rachel. I think we had four Rachels working for us on the podcast. Sarah, um, Raina, Rihanna, Raina and Rihanna. And of course, my family, Ari, that's always by my side, always by my side. The positive um, reinforcement and the cheerleading from my kids, from my kids' friends, from my community. Um, and Ari always saying, of course you could do it. Whenever I feel like, oh, I can't do it anymore. It's too exhausting. It's too overwhelming. I can't, I can't, I can't coach clients and do the recording and have visions and have dreams and aspirations and children. And he said, yes, you can. You could just do it slowly. Or what can we do to help? He's always like, okay, what can I do to help? So I want to thank Ari for being my biggest cheerleader, always helping me if there's a little thing that needs to be edited last minute, or if a team member couldn't couldn't show up, or there was times between team members, like uh, that we had somebody and then they had to go on in life doing other other pursuits, so we had to hire somebody new, and uh, in between, Ari always filled the gap. So thank you. Thank you for you listeners that took the time to listen, to inspire us, to try to walk into life with hope because this podcast was to create hope and inspiration. And by you implementing anything that you heard on this podcast is paying it forward because when you're healing, you're making the world a better place. So that was our vision. So thank you for taking your time. There's so much out there. Thank you for listening to us. Thank you for allowing us to have a voice. And thank you for to all of you that took time out of your day to rate and review us on iTunes, on Spotify, to send your beautiful emails of the transformations that you're going through, what you learned, recommendations. Thank you for being part of our team. And we would not be able to do it without our listeners and without our followers, and without our supporters, to our sponsors, to our amazing sponsors, our amazing sponsors, thank you, thank you, thank you, for all of you that really believed in Hope to Recharge, and um, and created this incredible platform of hope, of breaking the stigma, and um, a family, a community. So I want to go back to four years ago. Four years ago is when um, my first panic attack happened. And I want to share a little bit more now that I'm four. So sorry, not four years ago. Four years ago, we started Hope to Recharge. 13 years ago, 13 years ago, 13 years ago, I had my first panic attack. I, it's even hard for me to say. 13 years ago, I had my first panic attack. And I had only three kids then. I have five children now. Um, I came back from Israel. I went to visit my sister. She was making a bar mitzvah. I came home the day of the holiday. We were expecting a lot of guests that holiday. I was a big entertainer. I'm still an entertainer, but I knew how to. I, now I know how to set boundaries, and to show up for myself versus for everybody else and neglect myself. That was part of my healing journey. I showed up, and um, I fall asleep on the couch, jet lagged as anything. We're in the middle of the meal, um, and then my husband said, "You know what? I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn the Bible at home. There's a tradition on the first night of Shavuot, of this holiday, the holiday that we received the Bible, received the Ten Commandments. Um, so he said, I'm going to study at home. Thank God he studied at home. 
sometime between two and three o'clock in the morning, I wake up and I'm having a hard time breathing, a very hard time breathing. And I feel like my head is spinning. I'm disoriented. I don't really know what's, what day it is. And I say, Ari, I'm not feeling well. I feel like I'm dying. And he's like, no, sweetie, it's just jet lag. I'm like, no, I really think I'm dying. The anxiety, which I didn't know that was anxiety then, I just started breathing very heavily. My heart rate was very high. And I think it took 15, 20 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, um, until I was not responsive anymore. I started shaking out of control. Ari realized that he needs to call the 911 of our community, Hatala. Um, luckily, everyone was up in the Hatala members because most men stay up in our community. I shouldn't say most, but a lot of men stay up all night studying the Bible. I want to say there were between 7 to 10 EMT guys taking my my heartbeat, calling the ambulance, just checking my checking everything to see what's going on. I couldn't I couldn't speak. Now remember, three of our kids were sleeping. Little kids. And um we don't have we don't have any close family that lives nearby and it's almost three o'clock in the morning and um, we couldn't leave the kids home alone and Ari come with me to the hospital. So we trusted these local men from our community to take us in, the, take me in the hospital to in the ambulance to the hospital and um, they rushed me to the hospital. They thought that it was, I was having a heart attack because my heartbeat was far from normal. Um, by the time I got to the hospital, I calmed down a little bit, but I still was feeling dizzy, overwhelmed, shaking, and in deep fear. There was a deep, deep, deep fear that I'm going to die. I kept on saying, Ari, I'm dying. Ari, I'm dying. And I used to, and I was crying. Ari, I don't want to die. What am I going to do with the children? If I die, what's going to happen? I'm dying. I'm dying. Stop. Help me. Help me. I can't breathe. These were the words that I were, I was saying. Um, they, when I got to the hospital, they were checking, they did a EKG scan of the brain. They did multiple testing, blood tests by seven or eight o'clock in the morning. All the tests came back and they, I think they, I could say safely that they did every single test and they said, yo, you're perfectly healthy. And I'm like, perfectly healthy? There's no way I'm perfectly healthy. I know what I experienced yesterday. That is not healthy. I almost died. And remember, I'm alone. Ari's not there with me. Um, and looking back, there's so many things I would do differently, as I'm saying it. So many things that I would do differently now. And um, they said, yeah, you can go home. I'm like, I can go home. Uh, I, I I don't feel safe. They're like, you had a panic attack. Next time, if it happens, breathe into a brown bag. And they showed me how to breathe into a ba brown bag when I'm feeling shortness of breath. And they explained to me that it was anxiety. And they gave me a pamphlet this big full of papers and knowledge about mental illness. And they said, you experience a panic attack. And that is... Um, comes from anxiety and if it continues you're you're struggling with um, anxiety disorder mental illness um, read up about it and I think they even said maybe seek therapy or something like that so I take a taxi home I walk in and I start crying and I'm like Ari and he's like disoriented I think he fell asleep at like six o'clock in the morning and he's disoriented, and I said, they said that I'm okay, and I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Ari, I'm not okay. And he's like, no, you, you're, you're, you're okay. Try to sleep. You didn't sleep all night. Try to sleep. I was telling him what, what happened in the hospital. Um, I remember I didn't even have shoes. I came out of the taxi. I didn't have shoes. <laughs> so embarrassing. I went with my pajamas. Wow. 
And wow, what a crazy story thinking about it now. Um, and I walk into, and, and then when I, when I see my children, I don't, I, I feel like I'm too tired to even speak. And they didn't, I don't even know if they knew that I went to the hospital because they were sleeping. I think later on in the day, we shared with them that I wasn't feeling well and I went to the hospital and mommy's back now. Uh, I was not able to sleep, I think, for three days. Every time I was, I dozed off, I woke myself up with a panic. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I was afraid I'm going to die in my sleep. And the panic attacks just started getting more and more frequent and intense and if you experience panic attacks, you know that the fear of the fear is part of the anxiety. The fear of the fear is the anxiety and the and part of the condition. We are so afraid of feeling that we're close to dying and out of control that there is an anxiety that creates that. <sighs> so hard to go back there. Um, we kept on calling Hatala. Every time I didn't feel well, there was a special soul that lived down our block that was part of the EMT, the local Hatsala. And he said, you know what? I understand in mental health, what you're experiencing is panic attacks. And usually during panic attacks, the person wants to feel safe and needs to know how to reduce the heartbeat in order to feel safe and how to breathe properly. So instead of calling the the calling in a call to Hatala, you could just call me. I'm down the block. I'll just come. Um, we'll breathe together. I'll check your heartbeat. I'm gonna tell you that you're okay, and um, and just try to try to um, slowly get used to how to breathe through a panic attack. And he was the nicest. Is the nicest till today. A friend that I learned deep kindness and empathy from him. Um, and then was three months of decline, decline, decline. I wasn't getting out of bed. I wasn't doing carpool. I wasn't smiling at my children. I wasn't eating. I was hardly showering alone. I remember once I needed to go somewhere and it was the first time that I said, maybe I'll take a car on my own. And in the middle of me driving, I have a panic attack and I called Ari and I'm like, what if I drive into a car because I can't see because I can't breathe? I kept on calling Ari and saying, I can't do this. I can't do this. If I was walking in the street, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to pass out. I'm going to fall. I'm going to, I'm going to die. And a few months later, I decided that I need to do something about it and I can't fight this anymore. And it was just getting out of control. But the darkness of every night and every day, fighting the demons of breathing and the sadness and the anxiety and the unknown and not knowing anything about mental illness was brutal, brutal. I started um, reaching out to people, asking them if they ever experienced something like this and what should I do. I went to my local doctor and he advised that I go to see a therapist, a psychiatrist for medication. I went to a psychiatrist and this is where I say often, make sure you go to a good psychiatrist. Make sure you go to a good psychiatrist. It's like a brain surgery. You do not go to an average brain surger, surgeon when you need something um, tweaked in your brain. You go to the top brain surgeon because the brain is in charge of everything. Um, that so I went to a local psychiatrist, not, not an expert. He just heard me for maybe 10 minutes, gave me Prozac, and that night I was suicidal. It was worse than the worst panic attack I had. It was not a good medication. And I'm like, okay, fine. I called my aunt, and my aunt is a top therapist in the city. And I said, who do you send your clients to? She gave me my angel, my angel, Dr. Parker, Fifth Avenue. We went, he sat with me for hours, hours, patiently, patiently. And he said, describe every moment and what led up to it. And he took attention to detail. He, I call him my angel because he showed me what it means to be human he gave me hope and he also patiently 
explain to me what was going on with me. What was going on with my brain? What was what is this panic attack? And why are they related to depression? And why are they sister brother um illnesses or disorders that come together? And how does how does a brain go from functioning to not functioning? He sat there patiently and I was having a very hard time focusing on anything he was saying because I was just dealing with so much of my pain. And I remember crying and I was sitting there shaking like this and saying, tell me I'm going to be okay. Tell me I'm going to be okay. Tell me I'm going to be okay. I need to fix this. I have three children. I kept on repeating myself. And he said, you're going to be okay, Matana. You're going to be okay. It's going to be a process. And he explained to me and he, he mapped down, I remember his yellow pad and he mapped down the process. He first um, sketched out to me how what happens to the brain what is a panic attack in the brain and what is why does it happen and what disconnects and what we need to connect back and how do we get more dopamine to our brain and how do we rewire our brain and he said to me what I'm going to give you medication and we're going to try it out and it's going to be a slow process because not every medication fights everyone and we're going to start with a low dose and then we're going to increase the dose and we're going to find a balance that's going to work for you and I said, well, I'm going to be on medication for the rest of my life. He says, I don't know. Some people are on medication for the rest of their life and some people are not. But let's first get you stable. And he said, and I'm going to check in with you and you're going to let me know how you're doing. And we're going to tweak the medication as we go along. And he said, I'm going to give you two kinds of medication. Maybe it was even three at the time. One is when you feel a panic attack, I'm, you're going to take it right away. And you're going to take something that's going to lower your anxiety and you take that a few times a day. And then you're going to take something that's going to kick in only in two to three months. And then you're going to be able to take away the first pill that you were taking. And he explained to me how it works. I don't even remember 100% how it works now. But he was so patient. And part of healing is knowing that people care so deeply. And they see you. And they see you with your pain. And they meet you where you're at. And they don't minimize it just because they said it a thousand times. He must have had, he must have had thousands, thousands of clients, of patients, thousands. And how many times have he spoke about anxiety and depression? But each one he gave the sympathy and empathy that they needed at that time to explain to them what was going on. He didn't. He didn't. That's why bedside manner is so 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 important. And. And he said to me, Matan, I'm going to tell you one thing about the brain. Here's, I'm going to tell you one thing. And I don't think I've found ever a psychiatrist that said this. Medication helps. Medication patches up what's leaking or, not, or, or connecting the wires that are not connecting. But medication doesn't heal. Medication doesn't heal. Whatever is broken is still going to stay broken. But we can, we can mend it. But it's still going to be broken. What you're going to do with your life is going to determine how well the medication is going to work on you and also going to determine if you need to stay on the medication or you can rewire your brain. This is a psychiatrist. And he said, if you do yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and exercise, you might be able to get off your medication. But even if you won't, the medication will work so much more efficiently and faster if you do these things. And he explained to me what what yoga does, what meditation does, what what um, exercise does. And I started going to yoga every single day. It was my, there was no day without yoga. I was on that mat. Thanks to my amazing teachers, Davira, Rebecca, Devora. Um, amazing teachers that walked alongside me while I, sometimes I used to come and just sit there on the mat and cry. Sometimes I was able to do a full class, but it was my place that I felt safe. And I did my yoga. I started reading about neuroplasticity. I started going to all kinds of spiritual healers as well. I did the med I took the medication and I started slowly not feeling so anxious feeling a little bit numb. I must say I went into numbness. I was on sleeping pills because I couldn't sleep without it. And I was taking a antidepressant. And I want to say a few months later, I was functioning again. 
um, but I lost a spark to my life. I was, I felt like I was churned off and numbed in order to be robotic. So I was smiling because I could smile, but I didn't feel happy. I was up, but I felt tired. When I was sleeping, it wasn't a good sleep. I was still trying to um, figure out a lot of what was going on. Why did this whole, every episode of mental health awakening, I call it the awakening, there's a reason why. And I started unraveling in different modalities of therapy. I was very curious. I was very curious about the brain. And I said, if my brain broke, and I, like my brain, I felt like it was an injury to my brain. And I really think it's a brain injury. And I, I, how can I fix it? And how can I get it to even better than it was before? And I was so curious. And I started learning and reading and online courses and YouTube and books and books and books and books and books and podcasts. And I was just retaining all this information about how did other people heal from depression. I once called my cousin that's a therapist. And I was crying to him. And I said, Yehuda, please tell me that people heal from depression. And what the hell is depression anyway? What is it? I'm reading all over that people don't heal from depression. Please tell me there's hope. Please tell me there's hope. And I remember he says, don't go to those dark places. Just take every day, one day at a time. Don't read about those that didn't heal. Take your own journey and try to implement things that you could in your life instead of seeing black. And part of the depression is being overwhelmed by sadness. So sad attracts sad. It's hard to be hopeful. And I started my journey with gratitude. I found out that almost every book that spoke about rewiring the brain and and neuroplasticity, everybody spoke about gratitude. Also in the Jewish books, Every like when you talk about healing and connecting to higher level of ourselves and others and God, I started looking for God. I was living a life of religion, but I didn't believe in God back in the time. I didn't believe that God, the God that I knew then was not the God I wanted to connect to. I was very, very disconnected from um, spirituality in the form of the religion. I was following all the rules, but like a robot. And I did not feel connected to God. And I kept on saying, God, show me that you exist. I need you. I need you to exist. I need to know that there's a higher power than me. And I used to talk to God. And I used to say, you know what? Maybe I need to find a new new version of God. Maybe I need to um, say, okay, the God that I was taught until now no longer has place in my life. And I am looking for a new God that feels godly to me, that feels right to me, that feels like a father to me, that that I can connect to. And I really found God in the most beautiful way. And I have the most amazing relationship with God. I, 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 I lean on God all the time and I lean on spirituality and I lean on, on hope. And I learned a lot about gratitude and connecting to what I do have and how to live a grateful life and, and a grateful living, a meaningful living, a mindful living. I needed to do a lot of disconnecting from people that were toxic for me, healing a lot of forgiveness that I had for myself, not protecting myself from from myself, feeling naive. Naive comes up a lot in my therapy um, from, from systems that didn't work for me. I needed to do a lot of um, letting go of anger and resentment and really cultivating people in my surroundings group, my in my network that align with the vision that I want to be. I want to constantly work on myself. I want to constantly get better. I want to constantly see what more can I do to improve the the better matana that I can be as a as a person, as a mother, as a member of society as a friend, as as just a person. How can I be a better version of myself? Because I believe that there is no, no reason for pain unless it's for growth. Because pain without growth is misery. Pain without growth is literally misery. So if I'm already going through something, let me at least 
become the better version of myself and say, not why me, but what for me? How for me? And I started slowly 13 years ago, learning all about the power of energy, of my thoughts, of my words, of my surroundings, of healing. What is, what is a mind? What is the brain? How does it work? What is it connected to? How our surroundings affect our emotions and how our emotions affect how we show up in the world and how it's a ripple effect and how life doesn't happen to me. I am a co-creator of my life. I switched from being a pessimist to an optimist. I literally was switched my mind and now I see almost everything in optimism. I choose to. It's not, it's not a fake. I choose to because my vibration is higher. And it's a choice. And it really gives me a sense of living alive, thriving. About three years into, two or three years into taking my medication, I was able, after doing a ton of yoga and retreats and, med and meditation and practicing gratitude and practicing the law of attraction and reading all the books on healing the mind, neuroplasticity, um, I, I went back to my doctor and I, w I would visit him every now and then. I was pretty stable, but I felt like a little bit like on mute. And I said, I think I'm ready to get off of the medication. So he said, listen, it's a, it's a process. Let, we could try slowly. We're going to take a little bit at a time. We're going to do one medication at a time. I think it took six to eight months to get off one medication. And we did it slowly. And we had this tweak. I had to go back on for a little bit. And I had to like see when I was going off, what was coming up for me. I was working with therapists and with healers along the side. I spent over $100,000 in recovery. And I believe that recovery is until the day I die. And hopefully I'll live till 120. Maybe not till 120. Maybe till 100 is enough. Um, unless they, unless everybody around me lives longer. So I want to live along with everybody else. But <laughs> I want to be, I want to be happy, healthy with my full body, with my full mind, living alive. And my family. Um, so I believe that we're constantly healing. We're constantly becoming a little bit more aware of who we are, how we are, how we, how we exist. And I, I keep on investing in myself. I invest and invest and invest. And I never get to a place to say, okay, now I'm good enough. I don't have to do anything. Every day I practice gratitude every morning and every night and multiple times during the day. Different kinds of gratitudes, meditations. Um, I go to different kinds of, um, as you know, I'm a part of Happiness Studies Academy with Tal and shahar um, I, I constantly improve on myself. One of the per people that really helped me along this journey the last three years was John Israel, my mentor. When I started Hope to Recharge, I went to him as a business consultant. Like, how do I do this in a way that can sustain itself with the right goals, with the right mindset, with um, and being very clear on my mission. I thought he'll be a phenomenal business consultant, and he was, and he is. He is like, wow. But he gave me so much more mental health awareness of myself with core values, align being aligned with my core values, checking in with my core values, can we change? How do we say no? And how do we say yes? How do we say no to others and say yes to ourselves? But does it first start by saying yes to ourselves and being clear on what we want for ourselves in our life and our mission? And then it's easier for us to say no to those that we can't serve. And that's okay. I thought that because I was going, I, because I went through mental illness and I was brave enough to share my story and I did not care about stigma and I did not care about Shame. I wasn't shamed about it. I, I never was ashamed about it. And I was brave enough to share my story. Not everybody can do that. And not everybody wants to do that. And that's okay. But I thought that, that was my mission to share my story and support others. And I felt like I was crumbling and crushing under the weight of everyone sharing their struggle with mental illness. And he taught me. Instead of holding them up, give them tools to hold themselves up. He taught me how to set those boundaries of giving them the tools 
instead of saying, okay, you're not, you're not strong enough. So I'll hold you up, which was, no one did that to me, by the way. No one did that to me. And, and I'm grateful to that. But I often think, oh, I was luckier because I had so much support. I had so much support in my journey, so much support. I, I had a loving husband that supported me, kids that were supporting me, friends that supported me, my mom, my dad, my, my sisters, my brothers, my cousins, my community. So many people supported me. And I went to therapy and therapy and therapy. So I had, I had so many people walking alongside me and supporting me while I was falling and getting up, falling and getting up, falling and getting up. And sometimes people are not as fortunate to have so much support. So I feel like, okay, at least I can be that support. If I had so much support and was so lucky, I could be that support. And I realized that I was crumbling under that. I was falling apart. There's only so much one person can do. And that's why we started Hope to Recharge. And we started the mastermind. And we started group. And we started working with clients one-on-one that want to improve. And giving them the tools. Empowering them to take action and create a life worth living that's thriving, that's evolving, a life of meaning, a life of fulfillment, a life that they feel that even if there's a down, it's just temporary, that they don't get depleted to a place that they can't get up again. How to accept those down moments, how to accept heartbreak, how to work with radical acceptance, how to work with disappointment, how to navigate through them, how to have the tools to enjoy the joys and survive the hardships. Enjoy the joys and survive the hardships and the challenges and the adversities. Like, how do we do that? It's with tools. And we can't always call someone when we're having a hiccup in life. We need to have those tools in us. And I was lucky that I had so many mentors that I was able to acquire the tools. And I practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced and practiced. If at first you don't succeed, try, try, try and keep on trying again. And then you get better and better and better. Because practice just makes you a little bit better every single time. And you're never at the top. There's never ever an end goal besides saying, oh, was today a little bit better than the days before? Maybe yesterday was worse and today's better and tomorrow will be hard again. But did I see an upscale of the way I'm leading my life? Do I see patterns that are evolving better? Do I see opportunities that are coming for me to heal, to thrive, to grow, to pursue my passion, whatever it is? How do I interact with the world? How do I let the world interact with me? Have I left the seat of victimhood? And I'm saying, I am no longer willing to be in the victim seat. I want to work, move into the surviving, into thriving. I'm going to do the work so I can thrive, so I can live alive, that I can feel the joy just by waking up in the morning. Not by winning the lottery and not by getting the best opportunity that we look for or the best partner that we're looking for in our life or whatever it is. What are we doing for ourselves? What do we want to be? What do we want to work on? What's important to us? How can we cultivate these small changes in our brain, in our day-to-day life with our own tools? I call working with me the VIP program because I handhold you through the process. And sometimes the process is very lonely and hard and frustrating. And you want to just make sure you get it right to guide you through it with somebody that went through it. Sometimes you need a therapist, a psychiatrist, a coach, and somebody like me, somebody that went through the same thing, the same challenge as I did. And I love working with people that are ready to do the work because it is expensive. It's a lifelong investment into yourself, into your future. When you start working with a therapist, with a coach or with someone like me, you're investing into your long-term stability, into your long-term mental health. People often ask me, can I work with you? How many times? What does it look like? And I say, it's not about how many times. What are you willing to do to show up, to work on yourself, to make the changes? How ready are you? Because if you're not ready, the investment will go south. You could say, I don't know where I want to go. 
I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't even believe it can, but I'm no longer willing to stay in this position where I am now. Choose yourself. What are you willing to do to bring awareness to yourself, to your mental health, to your stability, to change? How are you going to impact yourself that you will impact the world? If you want to work one-on-one with me, link is in the show notes. Happy to answer any questions that you have. One-on-one with Matana. Schedule a free 30-minute consultation that we can see if you are ready. Be ready for change. Be ready to work hard. Be ready to see a different you. For me, I want, I'm dying to... I, I shouldn't say dying. I really would love to eat healthier and lose some weight for my health. I spoke about this a few times. How much work am I willing to put into it? What am I willing to do for it? How do I live with the frustrations of it not working out the way I want it to work out? What am I doing? What am I doing to show up for myself? How are we walking towards success and the steps are so small so small so small but the first step is saying I no longer belong here I no longer belong here I am done I am done I am done I hear from so many people that went through therapy and through medication and they're like I'm done I'm done sitting in this pity party of saying that it's not working I'm I'm ready to take small tiny steps small, 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 tiny steps towards success. And I don't know how long it's going to take, but I no longer belong here. I am no longer willing to sit in this place of the way I'm feeling. Because if I live one life, I want to live it well. And I want to know that I tried. I'm just thinking about my journey, how I got to Hope to Recharge. It was when I was looking when I was doing my whole research on rewiring the brain, I found one of my favorite podcasts back in the day was Lewis House, um, The School of Greatness. And I was binge listening, binge listening. I was, I think, his biggest fan. And I went to um, one of his live events and I said, okay, I'm going to be a podcaster. I'm going to share my mission. I'm going to share my mission. But I didn't know how to do it. And um, then I went to an event where, and I listened to a podcast where he interviews Sarah Blakely and Jesse Itzler. Never heard of them before. I want to say I maybe heard of them six years ago when I first listened to, to them on Lewis House's podcast. And I became obsessed with their journey. And I'm like, wow, this Sarah Blakely, she talks about Wayne Dyer a lot and how Wayne Dyer affected her way of her manifesting in her world, in the in her life. And I started listening to Wayne Dyer's recordings and, and other, other gurus out there that believe in the law of attraction and, and how do we get what we want and rewiring our, our mind. And I've. And I went to a live event in Miami and I ran into, and I actually manifested. I manifested. It's one of the episodes. I don't remember what I manifested. I wrote down, I'm going to, I'm going to meet Sarah Blakely in an elevator one day in a hotel. I wrote this on a, on a piece of paper. That's how I'm going to meet Sarah Blakely. It was two years before I met her. And I, and I had this vision. That's how I'm going to meet her. And you know what happened? I went to the event and she was speaking and Jesse was speaking. And I was so excited to find out that they were speaking there. I think, I don't remember if I knew that one of them was speaking or not. And I run upstairs to tell Ari, because Ari was with me in the hotel, but he wasn't at the conference itself. And I ran upstairs to tell Ari and I go out in the wrong floor where where our room was. I And then I call the elevator to go back down to the correct floor. The door opens and Jesse Itzler is in the elevator going back down. And I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, Jesse. I'm like, is this real? But wait, I was supposed to manifest that I'm meeting Sarah in the elevator, not in the hotel. And this was years before. And I literally manifested. But and I said, is there any way I can meet Sarah? And he's like, I doubt it. She's running. She's running right after she speaks to meet 
um, she's going on a camping trip with our son. He's, she's living right away. I'm staying a little bit extra. And I said, Jesse, I heard you're starting this new group. It's called Build Your Life Resume. I want to start. He said, join the group now. I think I was one of the first groups, maybe the first or the second group of Build Your Life Resume. The best community on planet Earth. The best community, the best community. Involved to so many other things afterwards. But anyway, I started Build Your Life Resume. I signed up that day in Miami. But when I went out of the elevator, I went to the front, and there's a whole story how I met Sarah. Manifested it. I waited there, and how I met her in the most random way. I'm not going to share it now. It's somewhere on one of the episodes. But she came out, she came out and she knew that I was trying to get in touch with her because I followed her on all the platforms, and I was always commenting and, 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 and really like full of gratitude for everything that she taught me about the way she lives life. And I started implementing it in my life. And we took a picture and she's like, and she's like, thank you for always, she, you know, she's so humble. A billionaire, successful woman gets out of her car with her, the driver and chauffeur and her assistant. She gets out of the car when she sees me. She rolled down the window. She said, I say, are you, I said, I'm Matana. And she's, I, and she's like, hi, I'm Sarah. Like, I didn't know that it was Sarah. Right. And she's like, she gets out of the car and she's like, hi, nice to meet you. And I said, I'm the one that wanted to meet you and blah, blah, blah. And I told, and I didn't even know if she knew that I was following her. And she looks at her assistant and she says, she's the woman that really tried hard. I I don't remember what I did at the time, but I was trying all avenues in order to see if I can meet her. And she says, thank you for all your following and support on social media. I really appreciate it. And she took an Instagram shot with me. And um, it was such a pivotal moment for me of saying, you know what, our dreams, our dreams can really come true if we have, if we pursue it in the right way. And manifesting became a big part of my life with God. I manifest myself with God. I, I say I'm a co-creator with God and I ask God to help me co-create with him. And I believe that we are co-creators of our life, the way we show up, the boundaries we're willing to take, what we're willing to do every day in order to achieve the life that we want. And the first question is, what life do we want? What life do we want? So coming full circle. So I started Build Your Life Resume, I think in July was the first time. And then the first group that we meet once a week with Jesse. And then he had an event for some of the group members in Spanx headquarters. And he made us write down our vision, four buckets of life and big scary goals. He said, what's your big scary goal for this year? And I wrote, start a podcast. And I remember I was shaking and I wrote, and I wrote it and I erased it and I wrote it and I erased it because he said he's going to be um, holding us accountable and we're going to have to show the steps towards it and a date when we're going to start it. And I wrote a date and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And the funny thing is that I was following Heather. I don't even know how I came across her profile, but I was following her as a podcaster and I loved her energy. I loved her authenticity and her energy. And I said, I want her to one day be my coach. And I didn't even know that she does this as her business, teaching other podcasters to become podcasters and follow their dreams and became, become creators. And, and I reached out to her and I said, I want to start a podcast, I have this goal and I'm in build your life resume and I have to create this goal. And I don't know the first thing about it. And I, and I said, I bought the microphone. It's still in the Amazon box. I haven't even unwrapped the box. I didn't even take the tape off. I was so scared. I was so scared of not knowing what I was doing. So I just kept the mic in the box. Cause I said, if it's in the box, I don't have to look at it. I don't have to think about it. And she step, walked me step by step, and it was because of Jesse Itzler that he said, write down one big scary goal, four regular goals, monthly goals, weekly goals, daily goals, live with purpose. And he taught us words like, how you do anything is how you, how you do everything. How you do anything is how you do everything. And it really, when you have that in my, in your brain, and I, and I, when I don't want to do something, I say, how you do everything is how you do anything. And I analyze why don't I want to do this. 
and I ask myself, is this the way, is this the life I want to live? Is what I am avoiding gonna going to help me get to the life I do want to live? So it notice we notice patterns, behaviors, awareness, big awareness. So Jesse is like a, a huge part of this of why I started this podcast because if you wouldn't tell me to write it down, it would still be in a dream, not in reality. I do believe that manifesting is part of um, putting something out there and then the the universe throws things at you and you're either you're going to see if you're awake, you're going to see it. You're going to grab that opportunity. If you're sleeping and you're not into, you're not tapped into the energy, into the vibrations, into what's coming your way, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it. So opportunities come our way all the time. Are we aware enough? Are we awake enough? Are we mindful enough to say, wait, is this for me? Yes, it's for me. How will this be for me? What am I going to do with it? And I believe that the idea that I listened to Lewis and I found Jesse and Sarah. And then I went to uh, an event they were speaking. And then he was just starting the Build Your Life Resume Club. And I joined it. And all this is part of why I'm here talking to you four years later. Four years later, still creating. And hopefully we're, we're starting our new podcast next next month, Listening to Understand. And... And the, and, and the amount of opportunity that came through the podcast is mind-boggling. How many, how many opportunities of speaking engagements or sharing my journey in schools or with, with youth or with different members of society that was able to share my story to, to hopefully inspire them to hold on to hope and to re- research what healing will look like for them. Because there are no two healings that are the same. There are no two healings that are the same. Each healing is individual because each person goes through their own traumas, their own struggles, their own chemicals that they, they have to fight in their bodies. Detoxes. By the way, I want to just say something that I forgot to say in the beginning. That I do believe that everything that happened to me was because I, my my emotions were collapsing under so much that I was suppressing in my emotion that I was avoiding. I needed to address my emotions and I was suppressing, suppressing, suppressing. And it just, it was like a lava explosion. But really what, we always have, we always have a trigger. For me, my trigger was overdosing on birth control. I have a whole episode talking about it. I overdosed on birth control. I took too much birth control because I didn't want to get my um, monthly cycle, a whole other podcast, a whole other episode on that. But I took more than I should, my body should take. What a lot of people don't tell you about birth control, that it really, really affects your mood, affects your anxiety. It affects, it can, I shouldn't say everybody. Some people have a some women have a great time, uh, a great reaction to birth control. Many don't. Many feel sadness, lack of, lack of um, energy, hard time sleeping, frustration. You feel like edgy, edgy. For me, any hormone, any hormone increase or anything that I take affects my mood, affects my stability, affects my my. M- how I, how, if somebody touches me, I feel like, oh my God, I feel like somebody punched me. Um, it's a highly sensitive person. So our, our, like everything feels so deeply. And when I overdosed on my birth control, I took a double dose and I was not supposed to do it. I didn't ask anybody. I just, because I was traveling, I did not want to get my cycle. And I had too much hormones in my body. Hormones can destroy humans. We can't live without them. They balance ourselves. Uh, they balance our bodies. They balance our mind. And too much of it is also bad. Can also affect us negatively. So everybody has to do what's good for them. But I urge people, especially women, look into your hormone levels. If you're on a birth control and you're feeling a little bit different or off or not yourself or like a little bit like sad or or like edgy or even angry or or just just not feeling it 
ask your doctor. Many doctors don't talk about the differences of, of the different kind of chemicals within birth control. Look into, look into maybe a hormone-free birth control. There's so many options out there. Um, I just wanted to touch upon that because it's not spoken enough about enough about how birth control affects women so, so deeply emotionally, so deeply. And not enough people break the stigma on that and the taboo. It's like, like the unspoken about thing that you could take birth control for 20, 30 years and you're supposed to be okay. We're basically changing our system. We're, we're tweaking our system. How could that be healthy? How could that be healthy? With chemicals, with hormones. Anyway, so I do, I do, I did go off of birth control, even though I was not allowed to get pregnant. Um, so I did, I did a, um, a non-hormonal, um, birth control. I, I did different modalities. Um, each one needs to check in with themselves and see what works for them, but be aware of this, be mindful of this because the, I, I know that my first panic attack happened from that. Now I'm grateful that it happened because my journey wouldn't evolve like I did. I needed that wake up call. So I needed something to trigger my, 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 my nervous system to fall apart. I needed it, but it was the way I, 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 I feel bad that no one told me to take care of myself earlier that I didn't know. A lot of OBGYNs don't share about the struggles of birth control. So find somebody that does talk about it and find the support and, and just research it, research it. If it works for you, be grateful and do a happy dance. If it doesn't work for you, no need to suffer. Go look for alternative options. Okay. Anyway, I have to come for, to a wrap. Wow. I spoke a lot. I wanted to come full circle. 13 year anniversary. It's like my bar mitzvah, my bar mitzvah to my mental health crisis that got me to healing, to thriving. I'm off medication. I want to say 10 years, 10 years, about 10 years in order to get pregnant. They, they advised me to get off my medication if I wanted to be pregnant again. Everybody is individual, different. That was my, with my medication that I was on and it took time and I got off my medication with success. Not everybody can do it with success. Do it very carefully with a doctor that you trust. Be very, very, very patient with yourself. And sometimes it's not the right thing. Sometimes you have to stay on medication and bless the lucky stars for big pharma because medication save lives. Medication helps us get through days. Um, so the ups and the downs of the roller coaster of being on medication. So it's my bar mitzvah and, uh, to, to this big moment, I call it my mental health awakening and four years for this hope to recharge podcast. And I want to really with my full heart, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing these episodes. Thank you for giving us feedback. If you have a moment, more than anything, it will mean the world to us, the world, if you go to either iTunes or Spotify, leave a, a review, leave a rating, and um, tell us what we could do better. What What would you like to hear on Hope to Recharge? What was the highlight? My father always asks us if, after every some every some special occasion. It doesn't have to be the biggest occasion. It could be just a weekend. What was the highlight? You went on a trip, what was the highlight? You went on a wedding, what was the highlight? What was the highlight? So what was the highlight of Hope to Recharge in the last four years? What was your highlight? Share with us. You can email it to, There's go into show notes. You'll find the email there and you can send us email. We love hearing from you guys. Um, it keeps us going. It really keeps us going. It's hard work to produce. It's hard work to keep it going. But it's our mission and our passion, and um, we thank you for, for being there with us. I want to wish you, in your recovery, that you should find your people that can walk alongside you and support you, and that you will have the joy and the possibility 
to live alive and to thrive and to live a life worth living with meaning. Thank you and happy holidays and bye till next time. Looking to reduce your anxiety and stress, relax your muscles, or get a better night's sleep? Check out Maxifies.com, 100% legal hemp, where you can find doctor-formulated, lab-certified, high-quality CBD oils, tinctures, and other items, cultivated, grown, harvested, and packaged in the United States, and available in different sizes and strength formulas. Check out Maxifies.com, that's M-A-X-I-F-Y-Z.com, and use coupon code HOPE to get 10% off your order, plus free shipping. That's Maxifies.com.